Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Political Beats, a presentation of National Review, where we talk with those people who are working in, covering, reporting, commenting on the world of politics about nothing political at all, but simply about their favorite bands, those bands they have a deep passion for. We want to find out why and what it means to them. Remember to subscribe to our feed for new episodes each and every Monday through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Plus, you can go to nationalreview.com and simply click on uh, podcasts, and it'll take you to all of our past episodes of Political Beats as well. My name is Scott Bertram. I'm still the same guy. My voice a little different. Fought off a cold. Thought about auditioning for the Ving Rhames part in the Arby's commercials. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that and stay here with the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Scott Bertram S C O T B E R T R A M and my co-host standing by Jeff Blair. How are you doing today? I am doing great, and I am really excited for what we've got coming up for all y'all tonight. Absolutely, you can find Jeff on Twitter at Esoteric CD is where to find him on Twitter. So uh, we are very excited to have our our guest with us today. Uh, he is the host of All In on MSNBC. He is editor-at-large at The Nation. His Twitter bio informs us he is a Cubs fan. I'm not sure how he quite got by the screening process, as I'm a huge White Sox fan. But we still welcome him warmly. Follow him on Twitter, <laughs> at Chris L. Hayes. It is Chris Hayes. Chris, thanks so much for coming on Political Beats. Thanks for having me. We appreciate the time, and we now get the chance to introduce your chosen band. In this case, it's a it's a person, uh, singer, songwriter, instrumentalist, uh, and a producer as well. In recent years, he has won multiple Grammys, twelve studio albums to his credit. Uh, a new one coming out, in fact, one month uh, from from today, as we tape. It's coming out on October thirteenth, entitled "Colors," and he is back and so i turn to you chris hayes uh before we get to that i, I should I, I gotta step back i get the big intro gotta step back chris tell us your political beat tell us about your job in the world of politics uh i host a show called all in on msnbc it's at 8 p.m weeknights uh, monday through friday and um we you know it's a new show but it's very heavily politics focused um uh we talk about really we talk about uh what's going on in the country right now it's a lot of donald trump as you can imagine we just went i was just down in florida uh covering the storm uh hurricane irma and riding out hurricane irma uh in a in a hotel and uh doing shots from the balcony while the uh, <laughs> head of the hotel was texting me saying don't do shots from the balcony and then sending me text being like i just saw you on tv doing shots from the balcony. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, totally. Sorry, that's the last one. I promise." We should you know, clarify. Like shots of shots of what was it? Yes, vodka, yes. or were you drinking some brown liquor? <laughs> it's a little hard. It turns out to like sneak live shots <laughs> on air when when the person who's telling you not to do them actually uh, <laughs> actually is watching the coverage. Um, so yeah, so I, that's my um, that's my job, and it's it's very rewarding and very grueling. So we uh, step back, pretend I said all those nice things about Beck once again, and I'll throw it to you, Chris Hayes. Tell us. Uh, wait, 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 wait. By the way, before I interrupt, yes, I am offended that you cited Beck's Grammys as evidence of his greatness. Everyone knows <laughs> that a Grammy is not the measure of a man. <laughs> well, I mean, it's in. It's a part of his past. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna put it forward and let the listeners decide. Uh, but Chris, tell us. 
how you found out about Beck, what you love about the music, what it means to you. Take take a take a say, take, take some time here. Tell us about your passion for Beck. Yeah, Beck, you know, I think that I discovered Beck at a really one of those sort of crucial moments in your adolescence when you're open to music discoveries that have this almost kind of like neuronal effect on you. You you listen to things in such a way that they wear out the circuitry in your brain and you can <laughs> you can confident going that you'll be going to your grave like with most of the lyrics <laughs> in your head. Um so part of it I think is that window of time. I think the 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 first album I discovered was was Odele. Um and I wanna say actually that I, I'm pretty sure that actually Lin Manuel Miranda bought it for me uh <laughs> as a gift. And the Hamilton's writer. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> we were we were really close. We went to high school together and I just absolutely I think let, let me take a step back and say this. I my understanding of Beck is almost in some ways is sort of a fascinatingly tragic figure. And I think he's situated in this really particular cultural moment that's pretty fascinating, which is this moment, and I associate David Foster Wallace very much in that same kind of moment, a little bit Dave Eggers, of this kind of 90s wrestling with pastiche, homage, irony, postmodernism, this idea that like every genre has been done and what comes after, and this sort of like self-referential, um, ironic posture at the same time that one is exhausted with said ironic posture. Yes, that is the and, David Foster Wallace ethos. Yes. Yeah, and this kind of like yearning to break oneself outside the box of self-referentiality or pastiche and and find something true and, and almost sentimental, but that isn't like cloying. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly think in a lot of ways that that is sort of interestingly the Beck project, that, that you can kind of understand Beck as um, – as being engaged in that same project. And I think in a, in almost a tragic sense, like very rarely living up to his potential as an artist because of how much he is constantly wrestling against himself or wrestling against pastiche or wrestling against influences. And he's doing it with this incredible um, acuity and talent and verve and um, brilliance. But in this weird way, it's like the, best songs he's written i would argue are the ones that end up being the most stripped down or the most sentimental or the most just kind of you know earnest Mm -hmm. and i so i i think that part of why i i think that was like something i felt very strongly particularly at that time in my life like wrestling with those things and 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 trying to you know be trying to figure out how to be earnestly emotional or sensitive or um, experience the world in a kind of first order way and not refracted through a bunch of reference and irony and posing. And I think that that his music sort of expressing that had this really deep imprint on me, that, that the project he was engaged in. And I, and the funny thing is that I came at it from Odele, which really is very, uh, is on the sort of pastiche end of that spectrum. Right. Um, and then worked my way through loving the stuff that's the least like that uh, as as i think sort of his finest work um and and but also kind of going through that same trajectory myself and admiring you know he's he's got an incredible voice and the voice what's interesting is the voice ends up being this you know this kind of keel of the boat that whichever direction it's sort of going it's like that it's always that same (laughs) voice that that and it's a very strong voice and it's a very precise voice actually musically and it's got that almost sort of teeth rattle in the front um and 
And so there's also something just really comforting about the stability of that voice amidst all of this experimentation. I mean, I, I, I think that I think actually nails it down. down. The thing about Beck that sings the most to me, that, that explains most about who Beck was, was the quote that he gave very early on in his career. I think after Loser made it big. And then people started labeling him like, oh, well, this is like slacker rock. And he got really upset about that. He rebelled against that strongly. And what did he say? He said, listen, there's nothing about me that's slacker. I lived like mm-hmm. I lived in a box by the side of the highway for four years working minimum wage jobs. I've worked my ass off. Yeah. There isn't an inch in me that is slack. And that sort of he has that way of delivering lines, whether he's doing the sort of like, you know, sprech them rap thing or even like rattling off these sort of recondite lyrics that don't necessarily have any meaning, very pavement-like in, in that way, yeah. uh, that have real meaning. And the work, the absolute work he's put into everything, whether it was his early kind of lo-fi stuff that we'll we'll talk about right here at the beginning or his major label records after that, his work ethic is amazing. Oh, yeah. This he's, is a guy – there's no half measures in what he does. There's no, nothing. he's unbelievably committed and – you know, he comes from – he's got this very bohemian vagabond background and – right comes from artists he's he, he and he's and i think there's also this sort of fascinating there's always this kind of fascinating dislocation in his in his work that i think partly comes from a very abnormal kind of upbringing <laughs> like right. it, uh, this was not someone who you know there's certain music that you know gets produced by the sort of you know suburban boredom and and the kind of you know and and getting together with your friends in a garage sort of and this sort of like primal punk rock rebellion against the strictures of your you know green yards and white picket fences and 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 back is not that i mean there's a guy who you know came from sort of famous very talented artists i mean famous in their own kind of way but had no money and knocked around and lived in east l.a and you know, so he's 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 both sort of like connected to people that are artists, but also not at all sort of a child of privilege, mm-hmm. and and all of that really comes through in the work. And I think that's actually a really great way to start because it takes you to the early part of Beck's career. You know, he has this this thing, and, and we're going to get to this where whether it was in his early indie career or even throughout the rest of his career, he had this alternating thing where he started with these sort of obscure lo-fi album ep kind of things and then then he would put out a major label record then he would put out a sort of a semi-obscurantist record then another kind of like a hit making record but the place you start is with his pre-stardom days before loser he put out four records some of them came out after mellow gold which is the one that broke him but the four that were there there's um uh, golden feelings there's the Western Harvest EP, there's uh, Stereopathetic Soul Manure, and then there's One Foot in the Grave. I think a lot of people are big fans of One Foot in the Grave, myself included. That is sort of, even though some of those came out technically after Mellow Gold, that's the prehistory of Beck. To me, it has so much in common with a guy that he would eventually end up going on to produce, which is Stephen Maltmus of Pavement. Yep. But my, probably, I would say, my single favorite band of the 90s is Pavement. Uh, Radiohead's number two and Beck is number three. Um, so I'm, I'm really big into this whole scene because they all intersected with one another, especially on that Nigel Godrich axis. Um, I want to ask Chris, uh, what do you think about that early stuff before he made it big, before Loser broke it big, when he was just you know recording with a four-track 
doing lo-fi folk songs with strange lyrics and bizarre melodies interspersed with crazy-ass uh, Frank Zappa music concrete. Yeah, I mean, some of that, you know, I, I love that period, and One Foot in the Grave particularly, which was, uh, I think, this an album that I found. I, re- I remember, actually, I found that album in a record shop in D.C. because it was not, not easy to find. Right, uh, yeah. And I found it because I I, I got... I got Odelay and then I, I listened to Mellow Gold. I got old Mellow Gold, which I liked but didn't love. And then I found One Foot in the Grave and absolutely loved it um, and found a few of the others. Definitely um, Stereopathetic Soul Menorah, which was easier to find the other two at that time. And I love the I love the kind of, you know, the sound production, which is like not intentional. It's just they don't have any money to record. <laughs> Literally, it's the guy's attic, basically. Yeah, it's got that Mountain Goats feel of like, it's also roomy like you hear you know that you've got that sort of roominess to it but there were great songs uh in those albums particularly on one foot in the grave like the i mean one of the best songs he ever wrote um and i think this actually gets back to this sort of theme um which is just a breakup song called asshole yes uh, your brains went black when she took back her love and put it out into the sun Birds did fly when the heavens all went dry, and the cigarettes were smoking by themselves. And and you know what's what's great about that song? It's got it's sort of inflected with some of that sort of surreal, like word jam jumble that a lot of the songs are. But it's really just a breakup song. Um, right. And it's just a great, great, fantastic, straightforward breakup song. Um, and and then there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that, that there's sort of weirder stuff in that album. Um, there's stuff that feels much more, much more like deeply country folk, but all of it feels extremely, I mean, first of all, it's incredibly listenable to like, uh, you know, there's, if, as long as you skip past the like real kind of noise, noise experimentation, which I tended to do, um, <laughs> it's all really well constructed songs and um, it's got, you know, it's got it's just really well executed folk, sort of coffee shop folk, which is what he was doing at the time. And if you know, move forward a, a touch to Mellow Gold. You know, the, the, the major label debut, the huge single "Loser." And you know, Jeff alluded to this earlier, but I remember when the the song came out, and the album came out, and "Loser" was was big. And at least among my friends and and me, I mean, it was treated as a joke, right? I mean, the the song was kind of treated as a joke, a one off. Uh, I'm thinking like the flaming lips and she don't use jelly, right? It's kind of like weird thing creep. that just it's a- creep. It's creep is the comparison that everybody wants to make. <laughs> but I mean, and that's what it was thought of. And, and yet it was more than that. I mean, the album was more than that. And Beck clearly was more than that moving on. You know, listening to Mellow Gold, what, what uh, sticks out to me is everything is angular. Everything, nothing is straightforward on the album. There's all these effects and distortion on the vocals everything has kind of come at sideways i do wonder listening again to it as i prepared for 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 the for the show here uh if it has aged extremely well over the past 23 years or so which my goodness 23 years um and perhaps the ambition was a bit past the execution he'd kind of fix that on the next record but that you know that's kind of my takeaway from from that first breakthrough uh single and, and mellow gold the album 
I wouldn't say that it's his best album or even among his top two or three, but I would say that it's his most underrated album, precisely because, as you said, that people tend to dismiss it. It's like, oh, it's kind of like the Pablo Honey syndrome, where, you know, you, Pablo Honey by Radiohead mm-hmm. has, like, creep, and then, like, yeah, who cares about the rest of that <laughs> early garbage? The thing is, is, like, I'm a massive Radiohead fan, so I will defend, like, six other songs. But Mellow Gold is in the same way. Uh, is You can tell he is trying hard. This is the beginning of Beck. Beck clearly, clearly made a very intentional decision to focus when he got finally made it. You know, it's as you said, like I lived in a shack on the side of the highway for years. I finally made it big. I'm not going to waste my opportunity. It's not just Loser, which predated the rest of the album by about a year. The rest of that record has a lot of the same ethos. There are great songs on that. Black Hole is like very elegiac folk that just sort of like concludes the record. It's amazing. There are a beer can is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mother Effer. I can't pronounce the entire name because I will get bleeped (laughs) if I do. But there are actually, I, I actually love truck driving neighbors on that album as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, the beginning monologue. Yeah, yeah. Is great. Where there's like some guy shouting down the stairs from someone. Yes, and it, like a real. It sounds like a real fight. Right. And it's, and it, I think it is. I, I have yeah. no reason to think that it's not actual audio verite. I mean, it's, why don't you call your mommy? <laughs> exactly. So like that's that's a record that people sort of write off. It's like oh, that was his awkward first album, first major label album. I don't think that at all. I, I but, think that, but that... To, to, to jump on the other side and argue for why people like, I do think, so here's the thing. I think this like idea of it being a joke. And I mean, the thing is that like loser is a great song and it, you know, like a lot of songs there's, there's like, I think that the sort of the back kind of like surreal, surreal nonsense lyrics works right. and don't work other times. And they're sort of hit or miss as you go through them. But what what I think is fascinating about him, and it's something that will recur, is this the idea of humor or like joke songs. So it's like if you've ever seen an interview with him, like he's like sort of shockingly humorless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and yet the music is extremely playful to the point of almost kind of like joking self parody. There's a song, there's a song I want to talk about a lot on Midnight Vultures that is a sort of you know iconic example of that. But he's got one on you know Loser is sort of that as well. He's got this song called Nightmare Hippie Girl on on Mellow Gold, which is a hilarious, yep. a genuinely yes. hilarious song. That's a good yes. one. Yeah. She's a magical sparkly She's a rainbow choking the breeze. Yo, she's busting out onto the scene with nightmare bogus poetry. She's a melted avocado on the shelf. She's a science. And 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 like and that's a thing that I think is present throughout a lot of his um, a lot of his songs that like they're genuinely funny in a way that you know pop music often isn't rock often isn't folk certainly isn't there's this bizarre like there's this register he'll get into that's sort of parodic and kind of self you know almost self mocking and that that is that actually still like nightmare of your girl go listen to it <laughs> crap it is a very funny bit basically about a nightmare hippie girl and it's a funny song and there's other songs he has in, in you know his body of work that are that are as well mm-hmm. by the way that is what he carried on from the whole anti-folk tradition that he started out in you know like he started right. out playing like these like acoustic like you know you know 
ghetto bars where like nobody was paying attention. Everybody was like throwing punches in the background. He worked in the jokes and the humor, the ironic humor, the sort of sarcasm. And that is sort of where he, you know, he, he was, it was the crucible for him. That's where he got his, his basic aesthetic from. And it is a really good way to sort of steal your artistic aesthetic because my God, it, it makes you immune to a lot of bathos and sentimentality, but it also leaves you open to sort of embrace real emotions otherwise. So I, you know, right. Yeah. But I also think it's funny. Cause I think that, I think that, I think you're right. Like that armor against bathos and sentimentality, which is, yeah. it, it also, I think he's, fi- it, there are a lot of ways in which it feels like he's fighting. Himself. The missteps feel like he's basically doing a bit or he's doing a, homage right. or he's like you know what i mean and the and the that's my, that's my take on deborah when we get to that. <laughs> that right no which is a really actually like that that song is fascinating to me for i, I can talk about that forever but but that is the sort of that is the tension and in mellow gold like i think it hasn't been fully resolved in a way that it gets resolved more particularly in the next album so now we move on to mellow uh, to rather to odalay which is the album where you know beck was a one-hit wonder a uh, guy who was just a joke, like Radiohead was just a joke with their stupid self-loathing song about I'm a loser, I'm a creep. And then suddenly both of them come out with these weird albums that are very transgressive and incredibly accomplished. And Odelay is uh, an album that was good enough to get the deluxe two-CD edition retreatment with all of the B-sides, extra outtakes and tracks. <laughs> and I would love to be the the guy, that guy, as Matt Welsh last week was that guy for Automatic for the People and say that <laughs> this album is not as good as its reputation, but this album is really as good as its reputation. It's an amazing record. It's very yeah. good. And and I, I, I think we can explore this topic going forward, but... The, the need for, for Beck to have a, 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 a top-shelf producer to work with, maybe not a need, but how much better he gets, perhaps, when they have these, these you know, the Dust Brothers come in on Odelay, Nigel Godrich comes out on three albums, which I think are spectacular. Later on, uh, you've got uh, Danger Mouse producing him. These, you know, he's a creative genius guy, right? I mean, he's tremendously talented, both in terms of instrumentation and in terms of putting songs together. And when he gets with these producers... Uh, that are also exceptional at their craft. Really good things happen. And for Odile, yeah. it was the Dust Brothers coming in. And I think when people like picture back, this is what they picture, right? Where it's at, the samples, the, the, the beats. Um, I got two turntables and a microphone. Absolutely. Um, uh, hot wax, this feedback drench kind of sound that's 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 through there. Uh, some of his best known songs are, of course, on Odile as well. I, I think it, it is a it is a collection of great songs um i'm not sure it it fits like as an album like as as in back to later albums would be albums in the true sense of the word i don't know if that's quite apparent yet on odelay but what a great selection of tracks and i love we talked about um, arcade fire some weeks back and how uh, the rolling stones another example they know how to close albums right so many of the, the last songs on albums for those bands are, are exceptional or, or point you to something. And I think Beck is, is does that in the same way. Odelay, the last song, Ramshackle, Ram I think... Ramshackle po- is such a freaking great song. It's great, and, yeah, it, and it points you right to the next album. Five songs. Yeah. 
I, I love that song. And 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 I, I think that like I agree that the Dust Brothers are sort of a revelation here, partly because they take some of the kind of the impulses that are going all over the place in Mellow Gold and kind of create some kind of sort of total or aesthetic through line throughout everything. So even though he's doing, you know, he's sort of doing country folk on Lord Only Knows, you know, or, you know, even that's even just like a country song with a, with a slide guitar. And then he's doing a kind of, um, you know, almost, uh, uh, heavy, I'm thinking of the Beastie Boy Sabotage song, which comes actually after uh, Novocaine, which was, you know, they made that song later. But that kind of right. that kind of sound on Novocaine, which, by the way, there's this moment in Novocaine where, like, there's a weird, there's this sort of electronic keyboard solo. Yeah, I know, I know where you're going here. Okay, and yeah. it repeats for no reason, and it's just like, it's it's just like it, there's just great moments of, of of sort of aggressive weirdness. But to me, the moment, the the song on the album that kind of epitomizes everything working in the same direction and him not fighting himself is jackass. And the reason is jackass is, a, is just a beautiful song. It's got this like dreamy, um, earnestness to it, but it's also just built off a them cover of a, of a Bob Dylan song. song. Right. You stole, you stole my, my, you stole the <laughs> thing I was literally going to say, which is jackass is uh, aside from ramshackle, my favorite song on that album precisely because of the it's all over now baby blue cover which was done by them uh, for those who don't know them was the band that van morrison fronted mm-hmm. before he became van morrison's solo artiste and wow if you have never heard them's cover of it's all over now baby blue listen to it you will I really actually love the original Dylan version, but you will never care about that original Dylan version <laughs> after you've heard them's version and Beck's version of Jackass, which by the way is hilarious because it like totally subverts, you know, like the seriousness of the song. He takes like a song about like, Oh yeah, I'm leaving you. This is like the end of a relationship. Let's all cry some tears. He calls it Jackass. Right. And then he ends with like literally a donkey, like, yeah. <laughs> And it's set to a brilliantly moving, like emotionally compelling music. I've been drifting along in the same stale shoes. Blue sands tying a noose in the back of my mind. If you thought that you were making your the puzzles and pagans lay I'll put it together It's a strange invitation Yeah, I, I think like there's so many things going on in that song that are that, that, that it all pulls together where it's like there's the pastiche, there's the there's the this using a sample but then building something beautiful off it, then there's a sort of cutting irony. And to me it's like it's hard for him you know the struggle for him he is a genius is getting everything moving in the same direction in ways where it all works together and that song to me is a really perfect example where it does political beats here a presentation of national review scott bertram jeff blair and we're talking this week with chris hayes at chris l hayes on twitter host of all in with chris hayes on msnbc editor at large at the nation and his artist is beck I want to slide us forward so we can try to hit all the albums we want to hit. Mutations is next. It's the non-follow-up follow-up to Odalie and that uh, uh, 
no one wanted to call it a follow-up. It's so different. Nigel Godrich comes in, I think does a tremendous job. I love the work that those two do together. 14 songs in 14 days, 12 of them make the album. Uh, Geffen releases it against Beck's wishes. It's it's a live to tape kind of thing. You hear the musicians playing, and this is the this is probably the Beck album that I could spend the most time talking about. I'm not sure if this is going to be an unpopular opinion. I think it's I think it's his best. I think Mutations is Beck's best work. Um, you have uh, you know I think he's pushing himself vocally for the first time. You have old songs on there too. Canceled Check goes back to some of his very old demos. Yep. And the way it ends up on Mutations is just so sweet. This old West piano, the pedal steel running through. Uh, Nobody's Fault But My Own is is just that tremendous. Is uh, his dad does the strings, arranges the strings on that song. Top um, five song. Yep. Yes, I, I, I think uh, I've heard some Beck fans uh, talk bad about Tropicalia. I am not one of them. I think that's a great song. I hear... I hear that, some, is, that is his most pavement song. Yeah, I, I hear. I also like Tropicalia is a great example of like Beck musical cosplay that he totally pulls off. <laughs> yes, <laughs> where, but but I love it. Like I love when he there, like he will inhabit other genres, but do it in this way that like feels exuberant and celeb and celebratory, um, and not arch. And Tropicalia is an example of that. Like the that 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 kind of like tropical. Um, he's got this, you know, this thing that sounds, it's, it's a percussion that sounds like someone's squeaking a balloon. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, and now you've had your fun under an air conditioned sun. It's burned into your eyes, leaves you plain and left behind. I see them rise and fall. The jars of a past and then love. You wouldn't know what to say to yourself. Love is a poverty you couldn't sell. But I, yeah, I like, I, and I love, I, Nobody's Fault is like, I think, an incredible song. Uh, it's like, you know, the, the, the treated you like a rusty blade and that the, the sitar sort of, sort of droning over the guitar chords. Yeah. Um, and I, the thing I like about Mutations is that, and I feel this way, sort of feel this way about, uh, information modern guilt is that there's a again it's one even one step further towards some sort of tonal aesthetic coherence that's really true of sea change almost to a fault but right where you can put it on and listen to it and not be constantly sort of yanked back and forth you know cycling through these different sort of genres or modes or right. tone and yet it feels it doesn't feel like it's one the same song over and over he's sort of using all his different talents but it like Mutation is actually the album that up to this day now I put on the most, partly because of that consistency. Boy, I, I, I don't even want to spend too much time talking because both of you have stolen all <laughs> of the things that I was about to say about it. I think the thing that uh, uh, I observe most about this album, and I've mentioned it already, is that this is Beck's most pavement album. And why do I keep mentioning this band? Well, one day... Hopefully we will do a political beats <laughs> show about pavement who I still believe uh, are pretty much right next to Beck and being the most compelling American bands of the 1990s. Um, and of course they're friends and they shared producers. And in fact, Beck produced Malcolmus. I've mentioned all that, but this is the place where he, he intentionally ditches the sort of 
trendy hip-hop fusion thing yeah. that he had been locked into on Mellow Gold and in Odelay, and he starts this every alternating thing, uh, you know, aesthetic, where, like, you know, I'm going to do an album. It, it turns out it usually was, like, I'm going to do an album with Nigel Godrich. I'm going to do an album with the Dust Brothers. I'm going to do an album that is folky, country, stringy, synthy. I'm going to do an album that is trip-hoppy, portis heady dust brothersy uh has radio airplay songs i he obviously is too smart to to try to completely separate them so he fused them but mutations was the first time he said like mm-hmm. okay you know i'm going in a complete left turn and i respected it so much and i loved the fact that geffen uh initially allowed him to record this and release it on his indie label he signed a deal for those who don't know when he originally signed to a major label he said okay i'm gonna sign with you i'm gonna release some albums on geffen i'm gonna release some albums on this minor indie label and we're gonna just do it that way uh he had the commercial clout to do that because loser was such a huge hit when he did mutations he signed in advance he said this album will be released indie style he knew what he was trying to go for, and he had a reason for that because he knew he was taking this sort of – he was expressing a part of himself that was as, as immediately apparent as you know, go far as back as Golden Feelings, go stereotypathetic soul manure. It's the same kind of like lo-fi indie country folk thing that he had been doing since the beginning of his career, but he wanted to really forefront it, and he knew – that it wasn't going to be the big commercial seller that it was. He was right about that. Geffen insisted once they heard the album and they recognized that, well, this is obviously a fantastic record. I want to release it on my record. They they stole it up. It created a lot of lawsuits. Huh. But Beck was right because it didn't sell. It didn't sell. The, the sort of casual fans – did not buy in to mutations the mm-hmm. way they bought into Odelay or to Mellow Gold. And then when he came out with an album that was much more in keeping with that mutations vibe, or rather with that Odelay vibe, which is Midnight Vultures, which we're about to come to, uh, it didn't sell nearly as much as it should have. And it's because Geffen blew it. They they screwed him. They forced him to release an album that he intended to be sort of a sidelight, and they made it his next big record. Huh. And people didn't obviously weren't going to get it. It was it was for people like you, Chris. It was people for me. It was. It's sort of interesting too because it's his whole career has been interestingly sort of at the. He could have been a kind of big star, and he sort of always sort of circled one orbit out from that exactly uh, every every alternating record seemingly up until mm-hmm. like the mid 2000s so i want so can we talk about midnight vulture yes yeah the midnight vultures is this song where you know it's this sort of him doing soul funk yeah uh, you know they're the, the, the like um uh um you know the, the 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 opening bars are these incredibly smooth horns. There's this big brassy horn section. There's sex this, laws. Yeah, called sex laws. It's this. It is. <laughs> it is. It's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's sort of intentionally ridiculous. Um, there's some really good songs on there, but um, the the you know he's got like this ridiculous rap song on called 
Hollywood freaks. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> shop at Old Navy. Yeah, shop at Old Navy. Treat you real good. Expensive jeans. He like shouts out Norma Schwarzkopf for no reason. <laughs> uh, there's, and then there's like there's these sort of attempts at kind of like Prince synthesis, but the but the the, the song to me in this album that sort of gets at the 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 sort of perils and promise of news is Deborah song, which is a unbelievably hilarious song. Um, it, intentionally, it's sung in this fairly well executed falsetto. It's actually a great song. It's got a yes, great, yes. genuinely great, like, like soul, like bass. This bass line that sort of thumps out like a sort of ripple in a pond the whole time. <laughs> Song is too, the song is, is too good to be funny. I mean, it's too good to be taken as a joke, It really, when it comes down let's, to it. Let's not kid ourselves. It is straight up late, mid-70s, Hall & Oates, Philly Soul production. Yeah. You have those rippling, like, guitar arpeggios right at the beginning. Yep. You're like, you know, I am not, I am no longer located in uh, 1998 or whenever <laughs> right. the album came out. I am in 1977. And then, and the, and the, and the, and the punchline of the song is, he keeps singing, "I want to get with you, girl, only you and your sister." I think her name's Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like, it is honestly, it's such a weird. It's it's like, the thing about that song, it's a song that only Beck could have done because it's it's almost Weird Al Yankovic in its, like goofiness, like, you know. I got cold step to you with a fresh pack of gum, like lady step inside my Hyundai. Like it's this ridiculous, <laughs> like self-referentially absurd. Come on. That's also a great song. That's also freaking hilarious. And to me, it's a real epitome of songs. Only Beck Hansen could have written and pulled off. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing about Deborah for me musically. Okay. Normally I respond to music over lyrics. And so yeah. musically, that's a great song. I love it. Every time it comes on, I never click forward. I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Lyrically, it bugs me. It bugs me <laughs> because it feels like in it's a retrenchment. It's a step backwards. I, yes. But see, this is my point. Like I thought I think it's like Deborah goes as far as one could possibly go with this sort right. of irony homage. And it's ultimately it's not a gr an all time great song because he, he keeps sort of hiding behind that. It also I have to say, like, not to get super political here there's there's something uncomfortably close to blackface about the whole thing like, yes no i get it no no go for it tell it, me yes. it just feels it feels like he's doing a send-up of black artists in a way that flirts uncomfortably between parody and homage in a way that's like it makes me oogie yeah. uh, listen listen do you, do you know the album that that deb's that deborah that song reminds me the most of it's david bowie's young americans it sounds exactly – listen, go back and listen to a song on Young Americans called Win, which is you know, yeah, all you yes. have to do is win. Yeah. If you start – it has that same sort of – in the 
David Bowie version, that arpeggiation is carried by saxophones. In the Beck version, it's carried by guitars. It is the same vibe, but it's the same sort of very, very white guy kind of putting on blackface vibe. And that I can listen. I, I I'm not super woke. I can set aside that and just enjoy the music as it is. But yes, Chris, I completely agree with you. I get that kind of uh, kind of yeah. antsy feeling when I when I listen to it too. And it's about a half step away from being a tenacious D track, right? If he, yeah, if he, exactly. If, that's exactly if, right. That's if it wasn't well so said. perfectly executed by Beck, you'd like this is this is tenacious D, which is bad enough in and of itself. Um, and so from there, right from that point, from being so close to Tenacious D, a complete 180. A, a wait, 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 you know what? No, 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 Scott. Go before ahead. we move on, we, yes. we only talked about Midnight Vultures in the context of Deborah. It's not fair to the album. All right. It's not fair to that album because it's a really good record. There are songs on that. It, it is sort of his alternating thing where he goes back to make, making upbeat things. There are really, really great songs on that. Broken Train is this really nice blues funk thing. Milk and Honey, that is the best song on the record. She's Very long, multi-part, sweet-like confection that puts together all sorts of interesting, like, rhythms and melodies. It just seems like if we gloss over it too quickly, we're going to just ignore the fact that Midnight Vultures is a really fantastic album. It's just that Deborah has sucked up so much of the attention. <laughs> Um, I can well to be. I, I kind of move forward because I think there's a lot of missteps on, on Midnight Vultures. Um, huh? Get real well, paid. Tell me, Hollywood freaks. I don't like Pressure Zone a whole lot. I think yeah, that, that's the worst song in the. Album. I think it's bookended well. I think you know. I, I, I think Sex Laws is is a great uh, single. I think Deborah is fantastic, and that that middle. I just think it's it's a better. I, it's a better. It sounds better to me. If you said Beck's going to do an album like this, I'd say that should be great. And I hear it, and I'm like, that should be better. That's what I always think when I hear Midnight Vultures. Is this should be better than it is? But I think it's also like to 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 come back to the theme of it's it's a really sort of I, there there aren't any real kind of like cutting heartfelt ballads on the album. There's like no he doesn't like he doesn't go to that register um, that you know, I think is in some ways his, his, his most effective. There, there's, there's no, nobody's fault, but my own. Exactly. Right now. Yeah. Right. exactly. Exactly. And you'd have to wait till the next album to find some of that, uh, political beats, Scott Bertram, Jeff Blair, and also Chris Hayes from MSNBC talking about Beck. We come to sea change, which is a tremendous album. You got the end of a nine year relationship with, uh, with Beck. And these are songs he didn't really want to record, shove them to the side for a bit. I uh, thought they were too personal, that fans might not want to hear this kind of stuff. And, and, and they finally got together again with Nigel Godrich, who, who produced uh, Mutations, to do Sea Change. And I don't know if an album starts off like more incongruous between the lyric and, and the song, right? I, I, you... I, it's perfect. Put your hands on the wheel, let the golden age begin. 
for I, I love this is my favorite album, um, and I think partly because I was I don't know what it was about when I started. I guess it was 2001. I want to say it came out in um, or, or or 2002, right? So it was, yeah, 2002, I think. Yeah, it was in that in that sort of fall of of 2002, and I just you know this is the opposite of some ways of Midnight Vultures on this spectrum, and the 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 production is so lush. It it does have a kind of you know, real, real aesthetic coherence. That first, the first line you're saying about like, you know, put your hands on the wheel at the golden age begin and yep. just the unbelievable melancholy, but also this sort of like encompassing wall of sound of the lushness of the production. It's so good. The production it, is so good on this album. It's, it's so good. And it's also like he's taken all of these songs that are, could have been recorded on, you know, one foot in the grave on a, on a four track with an acoustic guitar in a big room and married it to the sort of just, you know, married it to production of this sort of inventive scale and scope that he has been mastering through his work. And and together, I just, it, it absolutely blows me away that album. I find it like incredibly affecting and, and gorgeous and lush. What I love the most about Sea Change is that when you boil it down to its component parts, it, it's a country folk album. Yeah. From back. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's country. Every friggin' song of note has distinct country vibes. There are pedal steel guitars. There are country licks. There are all these sorts of strings, these oceanic vibes. It is, um, when it came out, I, I remember, because this is when I was in college, you know, I remember kind of early internet age reading people were saying like this is gonna be a real kind of change of pace it's not gonna be super popular and i was like well oh well okay fine whatever i i'm in i'm, I'm a fan I'll, I'll deal with whatever he throws at me and i was like wait people have a problem with this this is the best <laughs> thing beck has ever done <laughs> it is it somebody literally just like 20 minutes before we started recording this show said like, Hey, yeah, I hear you're going to do thing, something on Beck. What do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, great. You know, like, you know, you owe delay. You're going to start there. I was like, okay, you know, how about sea change? And the reason I recommended that it was that in mutations is because like, this is as far, far removed from everything on Odelay or mellow gold yep. as you could ever get. And yet it is still, very cognizably within the Beck sphere. It is, this is the miracle of who he is. And this is why we're talking about him today as an artist is that these musical styles, we talk about eclecticism is the word that's overused, but there is something about it. And then there are very few people who have ever been able to combine all these various genres and styles and attitudes, sincerity and irony and get it all to work in one go. Beck did that. And sea change, the contrast between Odelay say and sea change is exactly why this is a guy you've got to pay attention to. And, because, yeah, yeah, Chris. Oh no, sorry. I'm just, I was just gonna say that, like, and the the song, just songwriting per songwriting, like, you know, Lost Cause. It's funny. I was noodling around in my on my guitar as I was sort of going through discography. And I was like playing some Beck songs, and it was interesting to me to go to like Guitar Tab and see that like Lost Cause is the song that's most played most tabbed most you know there's the most sort of stars on um that song is just an absolutely to me perfect short melancholy guitar breakup song mm -hmm. uh, 
see to me that would be guess i'm doing fine which is my version of the incredibly melancholy guitar breakup song which is also on this album yes yeah exactly there's yeah no it's it, it, it and it is so far from everything it's also interesting to me what i remember reading about at the time you know it was this big thing like he broke up he got out of this relationship nine years he didn't think anyone wanted to, and, and 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 in some ways it's the most like getting breaking up out of relationship is the is the you know most is the universal wood, thing the stove of pop music yeah yeah um for all time so the idea of being i, I just sounded so I, I thought it was such a fascinating window into his psyche <clears throat> that he thought like, well, no one's going to want to hear about my breakup. It's like, have you listened to pop music in the world? Everyone wants to hear about your breakup. <laughs> That's because right. You could, put it, you, could, you could put it into a very interesting musical form, Mr. Right. Hanson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, political Beats here, a National Review presentation. And uh, our guest's time is starting to run short. We still have four full albums uh, uh, to, to get to. Do we each want to maybe make a case for one of them to... To, to try to get through a, a few more Beck albums? I will start with Wero. I will say this, that, you know, he gets back on the Dust Brothers bus. You know, yep. it's obvious the alternating trend gives the Nigel Goddard album, Dust Brothers, hip hop album. Um, it's really competent. Uh, you can say that like, well, it isn't a patch on Odelay, but there are really good songs on it as well. The ones that I tend to not like are uh, ones that have been pretty well sampled throughout history. Black Tambourine bothers me because it's not bad, but it, you know, is, you know, just a groove or a lyric that he could have rattled off in his sleep. And I'm pretty sure he actually did. <laughs> he probably just ran a tape recorder and ran those lyrics. But uh, the one that I really love on that is Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a single. And I will punch anyone in their ancestors who tries to tell me that it isn't one of the most magnificent singles of 1995. Missing is the other one. Missing is just it's got a huge hook. It's it actually yep. is kind of kind of fuses with the sort of you know mutations and sea change past with the Indian strings and the ghostly percussion. It, it reminds you that he isn't just content to sort of alternate and go from hits to personal albums. He's not retrenching. He's trying to continue to sort of fold it all into the total experience. Completely um, agree. Basically, I, I and and. It's not my favorite album, but but I like it a lot. And I, I girl, I think is 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 just an absolute all time banger. I want to make a case for the information. So this is working out well so far. Uh, Nigel Godrich comes back to produce the information. I think this is um, perhaps the most under I mean, if you, unless you count mutations, I guess. But the information I think is quite underrated on on the whole. Um, there's a super fantastic song in here called "Strange Apparition." It is yes! just brilliant. There's this. Nicky Hopkins piano throughout. It sounds like Beggar's Banquet or Exile Stones era.
uh, Ron Wood acoustic guitar through the whole thing. It is a really perfect song on uh, on the information. And if anything, I think Beck's a little underrated into his, his how he writes rhythm in, into his songs. And the information is just packed, packed with these muscular, intricate rhythms. And, uh, and, and the bass, I think, is up a little more in the mix on the information than on other albums. But Dark Stars, this ominous, circular bass line that powers through it. It's a great, great song. Uh, the single from it, Think I'm in Love and, and Nausea, are also a great elevator music starts it off. Look, the information, uh, the, the last third wanes, okay? It's a little bit of a long album. It goes past an hour. Uh, the last third is is a little weak, I think. But that first two-thirds of the information is really, really quality, and I'm a big fan. I, so I actually, my I naturally was going to make the argument for Modern Guilt. Um, and... <laughs> Modern Guilt to me is the album next to Mutations I put on the most just mm. if I'm like getting ready for something or I just want to have it on. And, and partly because I think it has that it, it's got Sea Change has this, but Sea Change, you got to be in the right mood to, <laughs> to really like you, you got to be really depressed about having people over for dinner tonight and like I'm cleaning up and setting the table kind of music. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but modern, modern Guilt, like and partly because it has this. Um, it, it coheres in a way Mutations does to, to, to Scott's point about rhythm it's it's a great song rhythmically like Modern Guilt the, the, the title track is this almost kind of melodic caper it's got yeah, these great that's a real good dum, 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 step downs I feel so cold when I'm at home feels like everything started Trails, which has this very almost Radiohead kind of production, where it's sort of trippy and airy, and and the drums, it's got this thing. It also this also happens in uh, in in Walls, where it's like the drums are near the microphone and the vocals are behind them. So you've got this the the, the drum is sort of fronted in the song, and there's a sort of ethereal quality to the to the vocals behind it, which I I absolutely love. Um, and I just I love this album. It has a it's it's sort of both intricate but kind of contained in itself. It's not jagged, um, and I really it, it's it's uh, next to mutations the one I'm most inclined to put on. For me, For me uh, modern, modern guilt is, is the one off of modern, modern guilt that, that I'm the most inclined to say. The, the other one is Tim Trails. I have to salute the fact that Beck had the sort of cultural tuned inness. To be in that Alex Jones vibe and after title <laughs> a song after chemtrails. Cause like, come on. I mean, regardless of what the lyrics are about, like we all know that that's what this is this is really about. It's like, yeah, they're spreading uh secret pesticides over us. <laughs> I would say the information is probably his beyond uh mellow gold as the debut, which we already talked about, information is underrated because I think people have just kind of gotten used to it. Mm -hmm. They saw, oh, Nigel Goddard is coming out. Oh, but he wants to produce a hip hop LP. They kind of were primed to dismiss it as, oh, Nigel Radiohead producer does the hip hop Belk album, but it's really, it's a really good record. It doesn't have the peaks. It's, 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 just consistent strange apparition yep. which scott already talked about is amazing the one that i also really like is new round 
Mm -hmm. I know it's it that new round is the song where the fusion of both sounds, sort of the you know the the hip hop trip hop vibe, and the country folk vibe that Beck and Godrich maybe envisioned when they decided we were going to get together to you know to cross the streams. That's the song that they were hoping for, and it happened there. I think Information is kind of one of those records that people dismiss as sort of late period back. It kind of falls between the cracks. People should really revive that one and give it a listen. Political Beats with Chris Hayes, our guest this week. Follow on Twitter at Chris L. Hayes, host of All In with Chris Hayes. Remember, subscribe to our feed. New episodes, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in. NationalReview.com up on the podcast tab. So we close each and every edition of Political Beats. No, let's try to get at least a thought on Morning Phase. On Morning Phase. All right, go for it. Morning Phase, I I was like, I think partly because of where I was in my life as a music listener, which sort of changes as you age, at least it has for me, particularly as you have kids. Um, And I was like, oh, shoot, because there was a while before Beck had a new album. Um, And I was... I, I I like this album, but don't love it. Basically, like I and I can't tell if it's because of me that Sea Change feels like a better version of it. Well, yes, it is. Yeah, uh, and it sort of bummed me out because it sort of felt like, ugh, like I want and I, I really like it because it it is in that sort of same vein, and I love that vein of his. It's probably my my favorite of his, um, but it just feels like it was a it, it felt like he was going back at the Sea Change material not as well and not as sort of not as fresh it just and, felt it feels more flat um yeah. neutral the, the emotions of, of sea change aren't there the depth of the songs i think aren't quite there um it, it's just more of a, a i don't want to say a standard kind of folk kind of album right in that sea change vi- uh, vibe but it's just a little more neutral it, it doesn't doesn't hit as hard as the songs on sea change the yeah. worst thing i can say about morning phase is that it felt to him like Hey, it's been six years since I've put an album out. Right. I guess I got to put an album out. And he went with what he had. He didn't really try to refine the material. It's not bad material. But is it great? I don't know if I can single out any one song any from Morning Phase. I think I agree. And I, that's. I really hope this next album is really good. <laughs> I like Say Goodbye quite a bit from Morning yeah, that, Phase. I would single say one that's track. the best song on the album. Yeah, yep. that's the one I would choose too. All right, as I was saying, we close every edition of Political Beats by uh, asking everyone to go around the room. We try to pick out two albums from our artist, Beck, that everyone should own, and five tracks from the long career of Beck that everyone should hear. And we start with our guest, Chris Hayes. Please, if you would. So I would say um, Sea Change and then and, and One Foot in the Grave. And the reason is that One Foot in the Grave sort of takes you back to this sort of very original version of what he was before he got all these producers. Um, and kind of gives you a sense also of like where the the impetus for all the, the songwriting is. And then I think Sea Change is the, is the version of that original sort of impetus with all the kind of production together. Um, 
And in terms of the five songs, I would say Asshole, which is the first, I think the first great song he ever wrote, Jackass, um, which is off Odelay for that same reason that it, it sort of, it works off pastiche, it works off sample. It's also a great song in its own right. Deborah, because it is the apotheosis of a certain inclination he has, and it's such a high wire act, and it shows how able he is to kind of do the cosplay, even when it veers and sort of, it, it almost feels like it's falling off into a, a tenacious D uh, shtick. <laughs> Um, Lost Cause, which is my probably my favorite song of his ever, um, and then that, and then Chemtrails off the um, off Modern Guilt because of that that sort of ethereal, echoey, um, o- almost sort of spiritual feel to it. Um, I'll uh, take up uh, slot number two. Uh, the two albums I'll I'll, I'll uh, recommend are actually back to back, and they're right at the start of his career. But I think having both. We'll give you a very good idea of what Beck's all about, and that's Odelay and Mutations. Um, yeah. And I think having both of those in your in your collection will give you a good idea of what Beck's all about. And again, I think for me, I think Mutations is is Beck at his absolute best. Uh, five songs, Cancel Check from Mutations. Again, a very early uh, demo that that was that was put on uh, the album eventually. I think it's just perfect uh, the way it ended up. So the it was time well spent. Strange Apparition from uh, the information we just talked about. It's it's just a killer track to hear. Um, and as Chris said, you know, if we're saying songs you have to hear, you got to hear Deborah. I mean, we spent five minutes talking about it. And even if it's not, uh, you know, top shelf, it is so interesting to hear uh, what he did with that track. Um, I'm assuming people have heard a lot of stuff from Odelay. I'm going to recommend Hot Wax, track two off of Odelay. And then from Sea Change, I'm going back and forth a bit. Uh, Paper Tiger. Go get Paper Tiger or listen from Sea Change, which is also uh, probably my second favorite Beck album. Jeff. Wow. Okay. Everybody has really covered a lot of bases. I'm going to just have to agree with you that the the point in recommending Beck is to kind of cover both bases, which is his his hip-hop kind of fusion beats and then his sort of country folk vibe so i will start with odelay you gotta go with odelay it is the sort of you know the, the sine qua non of what he was doing in the early 90s mid 90s um <laughs> there's like 17 songs even well 17 songs on the deluxe reissue that i could recommend uh, the other one would be sea change um mutations might have been a candidate i talked with scott about this before the show <laughs> began and he said he would recommend mutations and i said damn you scott and so i will go with sea change because honestly the truth is that you should get all four albums you should get odelay you should get Mutations, Midnight Vultures, and Sea Change. Those form the backbone of Beck's real discographical greatness. They're all major records. There is just amazing consistency across all of them. You're not going to actually get angry at me. If I forced you at gunpoint to put down $13 or $9.99 or to even go to Pirate Bay and download these albums illegally and force you to listen to them, you would not say that I wasted your time or money. They're great. Five songs. I'm going to be that guy. Loser. Start off with Loser. It was his first big hit. It still has a huge appeal. It still catches the fusion aspect of what he ever did. The white rap, the sitar in the background, Mm -hmm. the trip-hop beats, yeah, the the sort of nonsensical, recondite, pavement-esque lyrics. Ramshackle. Um, of all the songs off of Odelay that I'd recommend, it's the last one, which is weirdly folky. I love that. Off of uh, 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 Mutations, Nobody's Fault But My Own, and 
Milk and Honey because I love those both so much. And if I had to choose anything from uh, Sea Change, which is the other one I'd recommend, it would probably be Guess I'm Doing Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but since, again, I I choose host prerogative, I'll say Sunday Sun, a song we didn't talk That's, about, yes, is also yes. amazingly good. Sunday, but Sunday. basically, get all of these albums, please, people. Get them all. Uh, that's our recommendation. But don't uh, do it Ill- illegally, as uh, as uh, Jeff mentioned. We don't recommend that at all. <laughs> well, I don't. I didn't. I bought them. Not only did I buy them, no, I paid I... extra money for the European imports, <laughs> man. This is this is the life of a college student <laughs> in the late '90s. That's right. All right. Uh, Chris Hayes, host of All In with Chris Hayes on MSNBC, editor at large of the Nation. Follow him on Twitter at Chris L Hayes. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing your love of back with us today. Thanks. That was super fun. Uh, This is Political Beats. It's been a presentation of National Review. We remind you, please subscribe to our feed. New episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in Mondays, nationalreview.com, under podcasts for uh, new episodes and all of our old episodes, which are hosted there as well. Jeff, wonderful as always. We'll talk to you next week. Yes. And this has been Political Beats, a presentation of National Review. 